0: 2% of the Australian workforce, and only 3% of those were married. The basic female wage was 75% of the male wage. There were two women in the Federal Parliament. This was the way it was. Leading feminists of the time, like Jessie Street, Bessie Rishbeth, Muriel Matters, were hailing a coming of age for women in the post-war years, but few of us really had any idea that women's participation in Australian life would change so dramatically across the next five decades. I feel so lucky to have been part of them. I found during my term that I've often gone back to my earlier working life and experiences, the people I've learned from along the way to make sense of what I see now. Each Governor-General gathers a multitude of insights from across Australian life. We see the most courageous, compassionate and resilient of human effort, and wherever we go, a deep fondness for our country. So much of this role is about listening to people's stories and doing my best to echo them around the nation. Personal stories of struggle and overcoming the ideas and questions and provocations they put in front of us, how they help our understanding of human disadvantage and suffering, and our formal recognition of human rights. Real-life stories that once heard, we can never walk away from. These lectures are essentially about those stories. More precisely, the critical part stories and their telling play in building neighbourhoods, in practising good leadership and citizenship, and participating in a democracy. As teenagers at a girls' boarding school in the mid-50s, on a Sunday afternoon, my friends and I would lie around on rugs under huge camphor laurel trees, reading much-loved books about the World War II nurses. Our favourite was White Coolies, stories of Betty Jeffries, Vivian Bullwinkle and poring over newspaper clippings of the female athletes we idolised. It was around the time of the 1956 Melbourne Olympics, the first ever to be held in the Southern Hemisphere. Television had arrived. Melbourne was a long way from our school and dormitories in outer Bayside, Brisbane, but that did nothing to quell our excitement and feeling of being right there with the athletes. They were Australia's homegrown heroes competing on home soil. Betty Cuthbert, Shirley Strickland, Norma Croker, Fleur Mellor, Marlene Matthews, Norma Thrower. The press officially crowned 18-year-old Cuthbert the golden girl of the Games. She even got the blonde bombshell that I believe she found embarrassing. No matter the colour of their hair, they were all golden girls to us. Surely we loved to see them win. That gold studded 4 by 100-meter relay was a heart and nation stopper. These were gutsy young women with extraordinary talent and drive. We admired their superbly fit bodies and minds. We admired what they'd achieved as individuals and for our country. They were modern successful women, not much older than us, and we wanted to be just like them. I wasn't much of an athlete myself, though I gave most things a go. Anyhow, it wasn't about that. It was how they moved us to believe in ourselves and believe we could do things that mattered. Perhaps we were ripe for it too, given the environment we were in. Morton Bay College had a role of 150 or so. I was one of only six girls in years 11 and 12 and the first from my school to go to university. Mrs Drew, our headmistress, was a no-nonsense sort of woman, well-educated, pragmatic, had our measure. She'd been widowed young and had two children of her own to raise. As seniors, we were expected to pull our weight, earn others' respect, much like the older ones in a family must. There wasn't a thing we were led to believe we couldn't do, provided we were prepared to put the effort in. There was never a hint that being a girl was a limitation.